I'm Jason Harmon, and this is API Intersection, where you'll get insights from experienced API practitioners to learn best practices on things like API design, governance, identity, auth, versioning, and more. All right, welcome back to API Intersection. We're talking today with James Higginbottom of Lunch Any. James worked with a whole lot of wide variety of different organizations, and uh, I think we're looking forward to seeing what he's learned from all those different experiences. Joining today is also our co-host, Adam Duvander. So Adam, you want to intro yourself a bit here, and then uh, I guess James do the same. Yeah, thanks, Jason. Adam and I work with every developer, and we help API companies engage developers. And I know that James for sure does that with a bunch of organizations, and I'm excited to hear your story today. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, my name is James Higginbotham. I am the founder of LaunchInny. We are a boutique consulting company. We work with organizations globally to help them establish and grow their API programs and offer training as well to equip their staff on how to approach their API program and, and deliver APIs effectively and efficiently. So I'm curious out of the gate here on, you know, we've chatted a lot over the years, but I'm curious, like, what are this kind of size and scale of companies that you've worked with? Like, kind of, is this all sort of big Fortune 500 stuff, or are there kind of more small and medium businesses in there too? It's definitely varied. It's been a bit of a mixture. Uh, so most of the organizations I work with have hundreds to thousands, and even some of them tens of thousands of developers, you know, thousands of sprint teams. But I've also worked with some organizations that have been around for a decade or longer. They're kind of small to medium size. They're established in their industry, and they're looking to roll out an API program and trying to figure out how to do that. They oftentimes already have APIs in place, but they haven't really formalized the approach, you know, and they need some assistance trying to figure out how to clean up the documentation, get some more consistency in their design and so on. So it's a wide variety of organizations, which I, I really love that because I get to get a flavor of what's going on in the big big companies and and the smaller companies as well. Yeah, I, I think that particularly intrigues me because, you know, I think sometimes people look and go, oh, you know, big sort of governance or whatever, like that's all just big company stuff. And that it's only at a certain scale that you have to do certain things. And I'm particularly curious when you've looked across the, the different range and scope of these companies, like what are the incontrovertibles, the things that just are always true, that are always the building blocks regardless of scale? I think a lot of organizations, no matter what size they are, really struggle to get out of the mindset of just treating APIs as technology. They oftentimes will relegate the API to the engineering team. And unfortunately, the product managers, product owners, and executives don't always necessarily take a bit of ownership in it. And that is one of the fundamentals that's absolutely essential for APIs. I always like to say that APIs are the intersection of, of business, of product or product thinking, and of technology. And it takes everybody together collaboratively working to deliver an effective API product or API platform. That really is fundamental, and it doesn't matter what size you are. Even if you're a solo developer kicking out a product, you have to kind of wear a lot of hats, and you have to kind of step away from that code and say, what's the right thing to do for the people that are going to be using the API? Not just for me as the developer trying to simplify my implementation and get to market quickly. So taking that outside-in perspective is, is absolutely essential. If someone is in the place where where they just now realize, as you said that, that that's the case for them, that they've been focused on the technology and not the people, how do they go about 
Like what's the, what's the first step to, to change? First step is admitting it, <laughs> admitting that maybe you haven't spent as much time as you should have on thinking from the outside in. And the second oftentimes is to take a fresh look at your API. Step away from the code and start to spend time actually using your API to create or solve problems. That might be producing reference applications or building some integrations. If you don't have customers that are in your support line right now or or that you know are in the sales cycle and they need a demonstration of API, then come up with some of your own. If you have some customers that are kind of putting pressure on you to say, I want to use the API in this way, and I really don't see any examples that help me or I'm really struggling to see how your API could help me, spend a little time to make sure that the API solves the problems by creating these reference applications or examples or other things. Step out of the shoes of the implementation team or the delivery side of things and step into the shoes of the people that are going to be using it. Because one of the biggest factors in APIs is that it allows us to, at scale, have repeatable consumption of our APIs, repeatable integrations, not one-off integrations like we've seen over the decades. And if done properly, it both saves cost on, on integration support on the provider side that's delivering the API to the marketplace. And it also will save time and effort and win a lot of value with the customers that are going to be integrating the API. You're one team delivering an API. You may have tens, hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of people consuming your API. So one optimization for your build team may ripple into some suboptimal situations for your for thousands of consumers. So stepping away and thinking about it from the outside in will deliver a more pleasant experience and help people to integrate with your API easily. They'll continue to stay with you and it will, and sometimes reduce customer churn because now all of a sudden they're integrated with you. They don't wanna have to take the time to figure out another vendor. And if you're delivering excellent designed API with great documentation and you know it's easy and you've got lots of code examples and people can get up and running quickly, they're probably not gonna step away. And that's true whether you're delivering APIs for the workforce internally in an enterprise or whether you're delivering an external product to, to a marketplace or to a set of partners. It's interesting. Over the last few gigs, as well as now, you know, at Stoplight, we get to talk all, to a lot of customers on this stuff too, is like in larger orgs, you have these kind of platform or, you know, some kind of center of excellence or enablement or whatever. You have some central team that does this kind of be the customer advocate. But in kind of smaller scale places where it might not make sense yet to have that kind of investment level to get started. When you say like, you know, go do this, some people call it dog food. I say, go drink your own champagne and try your own thing. Like who does that in kind of places where you don't necessarily have a central team? And do you think either approach works better? I wouldn't prefer one over the other. I think it's based on the organization, the culture, the size, the amount of resources, the investment in the API program that they're doing, whether it's, you know, one's better than the other. But for smaller organizations, it is definitely challenging. What I recommend is if if you're a small enough organization that you maybe you have a single product owner or an executive, you know, that's, that's sort of driving that product vision sit down and have the, the person that's driving the vision sit down with the developer, but but do it not from a perspective of delivering features or trying to push your, your user stories, your epics, your job stories, whatever technique you're using through a delivery pipeline. Sit down and say, we're going to take 
a few days a week, an afternoon, you know, whatever is appropriate. And let's come up with a scenario for who this mythical persona is that we're going to integrate as and let's walk through it step by step. So I think in smaller organizations, you can you can do that. You don't necessarily have to have a dedicated team or you're not going to have lots of teams spread out and some sort of IS group that's really versed in taking your APIs, and integrating them with some other third party APIs to produce these constant stream of examples and use cases and videos. And they're loading up YouTube or something with all these different you know, videos the, the big API product companies can do that. That's that's really their gift and and kind of what they have to bring to market to to succeed. But smaller companies can do the same thing. You just have to be a little bit more tactical in how you do it. And you're just not going to have as many resources. You might have to, you know, trim those scenarios down that you're going to create, but you can still do that. And and once you've done it a little bit, you'll start to see where the stumbling blocks are at. You know, one other thing I've seen is I've seen some organizations bring in an external contractor, just a, a developer that's never seen the API before. They spec it out as if they're a client that's specking out a product to use your API, and they get feedback that way as well. We used to use conferences, meetups, hackathons, things like that to get that feedback, but those things are very limited in nature. Sometimes paying someone a little bit of money to build a reference application that you've designed, that you hand to them and getting their feedback and seeing what kind of questions they ask about my API will go a long way. Or they'll say, you know, I'm, I'm using this API, but it's less than effective or efficient to build this. So here's some feedback that, that you can improve on. And they can tell you, you know, did your documentation work? Is it really solving the problem? And so on. And in the end, you have a reference application you can share on GitHub or GitLab or somewhere that that other developers can benefit from and use. Obviously, documentation and use cases and sample code is like music to my ears. But I'm curious the ways that you've seen that, because you at the beginning there, you talked about that helping to create a better design, one that's not focused on the one thing that the API was first built for. Can you talk about some, some of what you've seen change design-wise by going through that process? In the early days of my consulting, a lot of the engagements that we had were really just a single team or even a single developer off to the side trying to build an API so that they can automate something, either to drive a rich front-end application or to support some integration with a partnership that was created early on, and it wasn't really given dedicated attention. And over the years, I've seen it shift quite a bit to where now we have these and the bigger companies, as you said, you have a Center for Excellence or, sorry, Center for Enablement or Center of Excellence, those kinds of things that create kind of a centralized patterns, practices, and standards group. And then they help enable other teams to deliver APIs. And then the smaller organizations, they vary in how they approach things. They oftentimes have a uh, you know, style guide and some tooling and such. But one of the things that I really recommend a lot of organizations do now that our API programs are really starting to ramp up and become absolutely essential for our organizations to compete in the marketplace is to take more of, of a, a more prescriptive but rapid turnaround approach to API design. And I, I recommend this, this approach called Align Define Design. We have to be aligned on what we need to deliver. That means getting business product stakeholders, partners, platinum, you know, customers and others aligned on what is needed. We don't want to just jump right into the code. If we jump right into the code, 
then we're going to solve a problem that may not actually align with what's needed in the marketplace. And then we take that and start to turn it into an API definition. What operations does it need? What resources is it going to expose? No matter what API style you're using. And then the design is where we figure out would the consumers prefer to use REST, GraphQL, gRPC? Do they need webhooks, other types of eventing styles, bidirectional communication, all these different kinds of nuances to what we deliver. And what that does is it helps us get that outside perspective and think a little bit more about what we're delivering rather than just jumping right into code and saying, I have this database, here's the schema, I can generate some code or I can write some code really quickly and, and get that thing out. So we've seen this kind of transition over the years from this kind of just informal aspects of APIs. And as you said, Adam, you know, you, you're, I know you're like really passionate about delivering great developer marketing material and guidance material documentation beyond just the reference documentation to help the developers and non-developers understand what does the API do? Is this a fit for me? How do I get started and how do I start using it quickly? And so this formal approach or this formal need, this need for these additional tangible artifacts that we didn't produce years ago has required us to step back and take kind of a lightweight approach to how we think about our API and how we design it. And then once we do those things, our documentation sort of falls right out of that because we've we've put ourselves in the shoes of the people who are going to be using it. I feel like just in our first few minutes here, you've already touched on so many little things that I would just want to like <laughs> dig into. I've got like a ton of notes already. I want to go all the way back to when you first kind of mentioned like we think of these sort of platform transformations, you know, API transformations as a technology thing. I always phrase this that like platform is at least two things and the the schools of thought kind of are like the Harvard and MIT version of the world. The MBA Harvard version of the world is marketplace theory. You know, you're talking kind of almost macroeconomics. And that's actually the part that a lot of business folks are looking for. As we're on the technology side of the world, the MIT version of platform, it's componentized distributed architecture. How do you see that those kind of two worlds within organizations where you have execs thinking, hey, we're going to turn this into more of, we measure performance on marketplace engagement versus the tech side going, hey, we're going to distribute this architecture and make it more independently scalable or you know whatever. I do spend a lot of time with that. And I think the biggest element that is essential is having people that own the API platform. And they're going to look at it, I think, from both sides, really. They're going to be that blend. And so some of the organizations I've worked with, they tend to have the business side and the IT side, if they're an enterprise organization. If they're a product, then they tend to have product and marketing and you know engineering teams. The organizations that don't see the API platform as a product really struggle. Because what ends up happening is developers are told, okay, we're going to build this platform. And they say, great. And they have in their mind Kubernetes, <laughs> you know, and, which is a platform of platforms. And they're thinking technology. And they think in terms of frameworks and things like that. And there's, I mean, I come from that world. That's absolutely essential to deliver. But from a, a business perspective or from a productization perspective, looking and taking, being able to take a survey of the APIs you have to find and define your portfolio of APIs and what does that mean? And looking at who are the different parties involved. So as you said, from a business perspective on the platform, we're talking about marketplace participants. We're talking about supply chain. We're talking about people that are consuming and providing or creating ecosystems. 
at a fundamental level. And if we focus purely on technology, we're going to absolutely miss the opportunity to provide value to all of those parties and maybe bring those parties together through the API platform, or at least if nothing else, to be able to look at two or three different perspectives of who's using the API across a particular market, across a particular ecosystem. So being able to have a group of people dedicated to that is what I see in some of the more maturing organizations. They really dedicate product ownership. They're technical product managers. They understand the domain, but they also understand enough about APIs to see where the value is and how to shape that platform. They take all their APIs and they group them into different domain areas or areas of specialization that address those different areas of the marketplace. They find gaps in those areas and they drive the organization to fill those gaps. So they're looking at the outside in, and, and but they're looking at the marketplace and seeing where's the demand, what are the trends, what are the things we need to deliver, and then what do we have and what are our gaps and how do we fill those gaps? And that's a much different discipline than delivering a technology platform that enables developers to be able to build and deploy software on top of it or whatever aspect of a technology platform you're looking at, whether it's infrastructure level or app development level or, or whatever it is. But you need both. Because you need the, the people that own the portfolio to be able to sit down with the technology teams, the engineers, the tech leads, the architects, the EAs, the SAs, all the different roles that you have, depending on the size of your organization, and understand what's possible. What do we have today? What are the constraints that if we find this gap and we want to address it, what's that really going to look like? And that's why it's really important to have collaboration across that and why I continually come back and say, you know, it's not APIs are just not about technology. Because you're, you're exposing your business capabilities and digital capabilities to a marketplace and to your workforce. And the marketplace could be customers, it could be partners. Your workforce is trying to automate and leverage what you've already done without having to connect to databases and understand what that char one column, what that one letter code means, you know, and, and the combination of these three fields mean this thing in our business. We want to simplify that and make it easier for the workforce to integrate with systems without having to understand all those little implementation details. And likewise, we want to be able to externalize capabilities out to the marketplace. So it changes the way we talk about our business. It changes the way we talk about technology when we start to think about a, an API platform as one that blends the, the digital capabilities of the technologies that you have in-house with the needs of the marketplace and how you're going to meet those. And so it sounds like some of the things that have to happen there are defining the words that you use, even right, right down to what is a platform. It does. I spend a considerable amount of time in organizations doing exactly that, taking a survey or an inventory of their API platform or their APIs that are scattered about that they want to turn into a platform. And then start to find where those boundaries are. In domain-driven design terms, it's called the bounded context. We talk about how within that bounded context, we all use the same vocabulary. If I were to take one development team that was responsible for one service or one API and try to sit down and capture their vocabulary and define it out, I will always find different synonyms that are used interchangeably that do not mean the same thing. They are not actually synonyms when you dig deeper. That people at different levels and, and different amounts of experience in a particular domain are going to use different terms. They may have adopted a term in their life. They come into an insurance company, a healthcare company, a bank, something like that, and they bring those terms in. And then they find out, oh, 
the way this industry talks about that's completely different. But they continue to use the consumer terms or the layman terms for some of those things. And now all of a sudden, somebody says, well, I want you to do this thing. And they use these this one set of terms. And then the developer says, oh, okay. And what they hear is completely different. And so that's where the alignment is absolutely essential, is getting that vocabulary down and agreeing to that, at least within areas of the organization. So the way we talk about an account for an e-commerce site when someone's shopping is different than when we're fulfilling the order, which is different than when we have to deal with a return, which is different than how we deal with support or uh, warranty processing and, and things when, when something breaks and they're supporting that or something. So understanding those nuances is absolutely critical. Otherwise, we all are talking about the, the term account, but it's completely different. Are we talking about pre-post-sale? Are we talking about during a repair and return to manufacturer type of scenario? What, what are we talking about? So the, the vocabularies vary greatly. And in the large organizations, they always will. So being able to define vocabulary for a particular area or, or unify around the API will make things a lot more consistent and easier for the developers that are going to be using that API, because now you're using the same term repetitively. I kind of giggled when you're going through that because you touched on so many things that, I don't know, are like part of my collective scar tissue of having tried to do <laughs> these things myself in the past. I think the first being like, see things through your customer's eyes. Use terminology that if you, the way I'd describe it is like, if you had to draw this on a board for a room full of customers, would they understand what you're talking about? And then the second bit is like, the ampersand, the slash, the plus, these things are your enemy. And usually there's something wrong. 99% of the time, you either, to your point, have you're using two terms to make two groups happy, right? Or beyond the synonym, you're coupling two concepts that could be separated, even though in today's implementation it's not. So I totally resonate with those. I think the interesting thing is here when I Across the course of your description, you've mentioned personas and basically kind of user feedback sessions, this kind of terminology design. And what you're describing is if we weren't talking about APIs, it's a lot of the same things we see in like UX design. I think people say sometimes developer experience and they mean a portal, but Really what we mean when we say developer experience is this entire process of designing a platform. So do you feel like when you work with the engineering side of things and they're getting engaged in this discussion, do they understand that they are learning how to design, which isn't necessarily taught in computer science? Yeah. In fact, when I do training for organizations, uh, I've delivered training across around the world for about eight years or so specifically on APIs. And I use a, a bit of subterfuge to, to get that into the mix. I start off years ago, we had to start with what is an API? Let's revisit those concepts. Let's talk about HTTP again. Doing a little bit less of that and diving a little bit more in the design. But no matter what, I'm always sliding back to some core concepts in computer science that you were taught, but you never really thought about. One is, in, is encapsulation and the idea of data hiding that Alan Kay and others have spoken of over the years of being able to hide those implementation details behind the scenes, which kind of goes to some other terms we've probably used in the, in the CS world, high cohesion and loose coupling. So those elements, while we think of them from the code perspective, have an impact on our API design, which have an impact on our developer experience. Because if I, as, a, as a, an implementation team for an API, 
assume that someone has access to my code because we've all had this kind of idea that, well, code is documentation. I'm here to say that it's not, but, you know. Plus 1,000. <laughs> yes. Code plus documentation helps you understand the context, the intent, and what it's supposed to be doing. And it's kind of all those things in one. But separate from that even, most people using your API won't have access to your code. They're not going to understand your thought processes behind it. They're not going to understand how your systems work. In large organizations, they usually have these funny names or acronyms for different systems. The mainframe is, is called the Orion system, and this is called that. And, you know, you've had all these different things, and they've used these internal terms. Or they've got you know, their acronym soup or something. And they have all these systems. Those mean nothing to the people outside the organization. And they also, and people forget this, they mean nothing to the new hire, the person that just joined. And it's not fair to them to require them to go chasing around the organization, sending emails, trying to open up chat sessions and trying to figure out what is this acronym? What does this mean? What is this system? Why do I care about this thing? When their job is maybe to build out a screen or an app or an integration or something using some of these APIs. So the developer experience is very, very fundamental. And it's more so for developers than they realize. So it requires us to slow down and recognize the engineering teams, their passion is to write code. They love how code goes together, the beauty of it. The, they love their languages, their environments, their IDEs. They're going to argue for days about the nuances of some library or some editor or some plugin to an editor or any number of things. So there are people that are going to love the aspect of developer experience and are going to really dig into that. And there's going to be people that just could care less. And recognizing that is important when you're delivering an API because there's nothing wrong with being on any part of that spectrum. But it means that you can't expect an engineer that's that's so focused on the beauty of code and the fun of coding to want to step out of that world and start thinking about product and design and UX and DX and all these different elements. These are the people that don't like to write documentation. These are the people that just want to debug and follow stuff and try the newest thing or whatever, you know, whatever kind of persona they are. So the organization is tasked with a very difficult proposition. You have engineers that are really good at delivering code, but might not have a mindset of delivering something that's usable by others apart from themselves or their team. So this is where the product thinking comes in, where you really need a group in between the business that's looking at the marketplace, unless your product managers are doing that, which sometimes is the case. Someone who's looking at the marketplace, looking at the business, looking at the business architecture, the goals, kind of the big picture stuff, your executive C-suites, your SVPs, everybody that's looking at some of the big picture things and trying to steer the big ship and the developers that are trying to deliver code and they have to merge that together. And that's really the role of our tech leads, our architects, and really our product managers and product owners. They live between those two areas and have to kind of do that, manage that tension. And so you're never going to get every developer to think about design. You're never going to get anybody to completely switch over. And that's okay. What you do want to do is recognize that there's different areas of discipline and interest and to find the right people to fill in those areas. And, and for smaller organizations, it's really key. I've, I just recently talked about a mid-sized company. Recently, they've been around for maybe 15, 20 years, you know, in their industry and they're well-established and they're trying to roll out APIs and their engineers are just kind of cranking them out, but they're all inconsistent and they don't make sense. So we found someone within their organization that they could promote to lead that. 
They have a passion for the business. They have a passion for product. They don't have to be a super deep product manager, but they have the passions for those skills. And they can live in that middle area and, and act as a bridge and break that tension and break, figure out where that balance lies between getting the code the best way possible, leveraging our internal systems and delivering an API that can be used externally. So finding those people are important and they're hard to find right now, but it will continue to grow. And some of these APIs of product companies that we've had out or products that center around APIs are starting to help grow that discipline even more. That talent will start to grow and to mature and to, to be trained and coached up across different organizations over time. But DX is hard. And I can tell you when I'm in code, writing code, because I still write code occasionally. I love it. Even though I spend a lot of time with teams that kind of at their process level, at their standards, at their, their patterns and things, I still love to write code. And it's really hard to break out of that and think about documentation without having a tech writer or someone independently that can kind of bounce those things off of. When I've looked across the industry over the years, I feel like if you wanted to say, what is the title of the people that do the job you're describing, the people who are good at this, you could just pull a name out of a hat. Yeah. You know, it might be an API architect. It might just be plain old senior engineer. It could be an API product manager, which I feel like is a rare thing to find that they actually do it successfully. I almost feel like there's a role missing of like platform designer, right? Because to your point, it's not just can you build a good API. It's can you design a platform of composed of APIs that make sense to customers, that seems to be the fundamental challenge. I guess within that, if, if you're, I don't know, I'll, I'll leave that topic there of like, are we missing a role in the industry? I think we are. Sometimes that role is being played by many others, as you said, you know, that the title will vary. The role will be played by different people in the organization, at least to an extent. There's oftentimes, say, I, I worked for a, a large North American bank recently. They have five, roughly five business units from commercial to retail banking and, and auto loans and things like that. Within each of those areas, they have, as you said earlier, different vocabulary. They also have different digital capabilities they have to offer, different partners they need to integrate with, and different things they need to support within their own mobile and web apps that they deliver to their consumers directly. And every one of the product owners that exists within these business units for this bank know their area really well. They have no doubt they know their area, but they there is no one looking to see how the pieces that product owner is responsible for map into the bigger picture of what is this helping us to do. And so there, there is this need from a technical side to look at the architecture side of things, the design, making the right choices as far as API styles, Again, you know, REST is very popular, but GraphQL, gRPC, all these other styles are emerging and finding different ways to really complement one another. So it's not a versus, it's an and. And be able to make those technical decisions. And then you need, as you said, kind of a platform owner, an API platform owner that's looking at the big picture and managing the roadmap and steering things in a certain direction and helping those teams, those, those other product owners within each of the business units or the responsible for for certain aspects of the organization. They're looking at it, the platform owner is looking at each of those platform or product owners or, or teams and trying to figure out how to coordinate and prioritize so that 
everybody's optimized to be able to deliver things. You know, we don't want to micromanage those teams, but we definitely want to make sure, okay, well, if you've, if you've got a trade-off with your time, with your available team size and the amount you can deliver, the velocity you're delivering at, you're always going to have limitations. So how do we figure out how to, to break that limitation? And you've got local optimization and global optimization. And if you don't have the platform owner globally optimizing, you can have some really well-oiled machines, cranking code, cranking APIs, delivering some astounding designs, but you're missing huge gaps that prevent you from solving bigger problems in the marketplace to stand out. So there, there is definitely roles missing. And I think it's going to take some time to get there. I've been working with a lot of organizations on how to train up that staff and been working with some other individuals to figure out, can we help train people to equip them for those new emerging roles, help to get product owners and product managers equipped to be a little bit more technical if they're not, help the technical ones start to think bigger picture and start to fill those gaps over time. It's a hard thing to do. It's not going to happen overnight. But at least from our perspective, we see there's there's training and coaching that can happen in our engagements. And then there's probably things we can deliver for individuals to go through as well to, to supplement their understanding and the training. I'm going to play devil's advocate with something that I hear a lot from engineers is like, great, someone needs to know everything about everything in order for us to succeed. So where do I find this mega brain who can understand everything about this huge scope of what we do? and somehow create an elegant design for it all. Like, where's the reality in that one? Of course, you're never going to find that. What, what you're going to find is you're going to have people that are really good at, at steering the big picture. They're the pre-COOs or the pre, pre-executives, the pre-C-suite. They're people that are really talented at understanding where things need to go, understanding the big pictures and getting there, but they may not go deep. And then there's going to be other people that are going to be deep in a particular area. And most likely every organization are going to have experts, whether they're technical or non-technical, whether they're on the product side or the engineering side or the business side, they're going to understand how the business works. They've been around for a while and they can tell you exactly the history of all the systems, the integrations that worked, the integrations that didn't, what succeeded, what failed. And you're going to have others that just joined the organization. Maybe they don't, they're new to the domain and they don't understand it. It takes a lot of cooperation. It talks, takes a lot of communication. So it is a much different approach to the way that we do things. You're not going to have those Uber product managers that understand everything about everything and be able to drive it all. It's just impossible. But you can find specialists that can go deep and push back on the people managing the platform and saying, okay, I hear you. I know that we're trying to go this direction, but let me explain this, this one aspect of this particular area, this particular domain. If we don't have this, we'll only get to this point or we won't be able to deliver. This is an essential element. They have that discussion. They go, okay, great. What's that going to take? So it's leveraging and having communication. But if you don't have any kind of infrastructure or any kind of approach established to treat your API as a platform, if you're that large or if you're going in that direction and you don't have someone owning the platform, then you have a bunch of individuals all using an or to try to steer the ship and they're all going in all kinds of wacky directions and you don't know what's going on. So you do need somebody to kind of just make sure that everything is coordinated, that as each area releases new capabilities in their APIs, we're headed in the same direction. And we're not just doing what looks fun or cool or that we've had as a passion for years, but but we need to just hold off three months because we got to get this other thing out the door. Because if we do that, it's going to help us to you know, accomplish these other goals or meet these other needs in the marketplace. 
So it's going to take a lot of a lot of effort and a lot of coordination. So your coordination starts to shift away from managing as engineers, managing the the engineering deliverables. The coordination starts to shift to thinking about what is it we're trying to deliver, what what capabilities are we delivering to the marketplace, and start thinking about those things when you have those kinds of conversations. So James, I want to ask you about a tweet that I think gets at some of that's role and architecture. So Jessica Joyker said you can move complexity outward or inward. And you said this, so much this. So I know that resonated with you. Can you tell us more about that and how, how someone can think about that when they're architecting the APIs within their organization? That spoke to me loads because I go into a lot of organizations and I'm going to share an opinion. Be careful, trigger warning. I'm going to share an opinion that might <laughs> not resonate with everyone that's listening to this. Microservices don't solve every problem. There, I said it. <laughs> I go into a lot of organizations that say, we're modernizing, so we're doing microservices. And a lot of what I struggle with is that those same organizations were not able to create modular software in a single code base, but they're now starting to introduce distributed computing techniques and they still need those same modular concepts. They still need to think of things with loose coupling, high cohesion, encapsulation, data hiding, hiding the implementation details and so on. So there are organizations out there doing microservices are doing an amazing job and they figured it out and they've stumbled and they've tried different things and they finally kind of found that niche. But microservices, as I think Fowler noted on his website in his classic microservices pages, that they really are for decomposing highly complex problems into smaller, less complex, lower cognitive components that we can stitch together over the network. And when I saw that tweet, I went, yes, because what I'm seeing is that a lot of organizations are adopting microservices and introducing, pushing complexity out to the infrastructure to the operations, to support, to trying to figure out, okay, this request came in, somebody got a 500, it triggered an error somewhere, and they've got 13 different layers of application performance managers and tracing tools and and correlation IDs and logging and, and all this other stuff that they've got to figure out where did this request go and what happened. And sometimes we push that complexity out without realizing it and make things worse than if we just had a nice modular code base. Now, the people that are listening to this and going boo and kind of throwing popcorn at their devices or whatever when they're hearing this, what I really love and I want a lot of people to think about is a quote from Kelsey Hightower. He had a tweet, and I apologize for using so many tweets as source, but you know, there's some great stuff out there. Kelsey said the biggest fallacy about monoliths is that you can only have one. And a lot of organizations are big enough that they could have multiple monoliths that are within a bounded area and that expose an API using one or more API styles to deliver capabilities to the organization, digital capabilities that help us to accomplish what we want. But it doesn't necessarily mean that we need to take that resource accounts and create a service for create accounts and a service for update accounts and a service for everything else and then try to coordinate the troubleshooting at runtime, coordinate the network communication, coordinate the design, and coordinate the teams necessary to produce all those different services. 
Now, the example I gave you is kind of an anti-pattern that, that exists where we're kind of taking one resource and spreading it across a bunch of services. But the principle holds that sometimes the complexity isn't very large to fit into a monolith and that we remove a lot of the external complexity. We stop pushing the complexity out to operations, to these platform of platforms, to all this other stuff unnecessarily. When it's necessary, do it. But that requires us to really level up our skills in understanding system architecture, understanding integration, and a number of other things. And if any developer that has kind of stepped back and thought about all the different tools in the tool chain and the fact that we have to have all these tools to reach into a data center, to talk to another service, to be able to finish working on my service, and all these different complexities, is that complexity necessary? And when we think about it, it's not just the complexity of the code base, but it's the complexity that is encountered by every developer in the organization that's working within that particular area. So I think we've kind of gone nuts with this stuff a little bit. We've gone, let me rephrase that. I think we've gone a little overboard in the way that we approach our API strategy. And we think everything needs to be a distributed component and everything needs to have an API. So when we think about the align, define, design approach that I take, I like to recommend going from the outside in and thinking about the jobs to be done and thinking about the desired outcomes that need to be accomplished. And if we start there first, then we can figure out what kind of complexity exists as we get closer to the delivery process. What kind of complexity exists and can we benefit from distributing that complexity across teams and introducing coordination and more complex builds and more complex runtime auditing and troubleshooting and all these other elements, or can we start simple? Is the complexity low enough that we could have a nice modular monolith and deliver something that's very effective for the organization with an API? And if we get that API right, that's going to be shared across our workforce, shared across our partners and shared across our customers and you know within the marketplace in however many ways you may share it, if we get that API right, we can always decompose that API into services later. But it's really hard to distribute that work and push that complexity out early. So that's why that tweet really resonated with me, is that I think we are adopting technology sometimes for this. We think that's what we're supposed to do. I often inter interact with executives that say, we want microservices. We've declared microservices as the, the foundational principle of our technology solutions. The Bezos move. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you just declare it, great things will happen. <laughs> yeah, well, and they think, well, we're going to go faster because of that. We're going to do all these other things. Maybe or maybe not. And that is where I see the problem is because I think what they're trying to say is, let's think smaller. Think smaller. So can we build a, a monolith that supports an API that's part of our portfolio, that's discoverable by our workforce, that can be leveraged by other people in the organization without a microservice and still go fast? The answer is oftentimes yes. So I think what they're really saying is it's, if they're using the term microservices as a, as a kind of a shorthand to say, we want to think a little bit smaller. Let's not build these massive systems that are intertwined that require these four times a year deployment processes that take a month to get out the door. But on the other hand, I don't think they're also saying, you know what? I think we should introduce microservices. We can make every developer's job even more complex because now they have to have a, a larger stack of tools and more services they have to understand and all these distributed computing problems they have to introduce. And now they got to understand service meshes and all this other stuff. There is value to all of that. But take a breath, take a beat and think about why are you doing it? 
not just that everybody says you might supposed to be doing it, but take a beat and think about it. And are you making things easier or making things harder? Are you optimizing locally, but not optimizing globally? Are you going to have to hire 10 more people to manage your infrastructure because you've created this really complex architecture unnecessarily? Now, if it's necessary, then that's part of doing business, but it's not always necessary. So that's why I (laughs) said this tweet, yes, this tweet, because we don't think about complexity and the ramifications of our decisions. We think about, well, I could write this in 150 lines of some language and drop it out as a service, package it up in the Dockering container, and you know I'm all good. But what have you done positively for the organization? Is that a positive change, or is that introducing more complexity and more challenges later? And if it's a positive change, run with it embrace it, do it. But if, you, if you're not sure, let's slow down a little bit and see, can we simplify this a little bit for everyone involved, not just for me, not just for one other person that's going to use that service. That's the, the stumbling block I see in a lot of organizations today. And it's very, very challenging. Well said. I feel like with the breadth of topics that you cover, James, we could probably do five more sessions to dig into a bunch of these. One thing you you mentioned in here about kind of, you know, just put an interface on top of the thing. Don't have the monolith guilt. I call this like fake it till you make it, right? Put the interface on top and give yourself room to refactor if you've designed for the future. But, you know, when we wrap all these things up, you're really describing a huge cultural shift across the way we think about how we do product, the way of really almost how we do business. Do we do it in smaller pieces? How we think about describing all of our systems this is a huge cultural shift. Do you feel like you know, you see that being a significant blocker in companies progressing? And when we see this 75 to 90% failure rate, is this one of the big reasons that you see? I think it can be challenging, particularly if an organization is trying to take it all on at once. One of the things that I've introduced, since we're on an audio podcast, I'm not sharing out any slides or anything, it's a bit hard to visualize, but visualize an eight-point compass. So we have north, south, east, west, northeast, Southeast and so on, all the way around. So we have eight points. There's basically eight core disciplines that every API program has to incorporate to some degree. They include strategy and culture, which you just mentioned, process and governance, portfolio and products, discovery and documentation, onboarding and adoption, design and delivery, management and analytics, security and operations. That's a lot. That's eight core disciplines. And and as you can well imagine, you have to dig deep in every one of those. So if you decided, you know what, you hear this podcast and you say, yeah, we've had APIs for a while, but we never really formalized it. Let's formalize it. We're going to get this done. It's going to be very difficult to get done or get started. It feels like, you know, you're fighting a lot of friction or a lot of inertia because there's a lot to do. And it requires, like anything else, an iterative approach. It requires treating it like a product. The API program itself is a product. It just is oftentimes delivering more service-oriented products to the organization, but it's a product nonetheless. And so in that case, we can take a lean approach to it and figure out what's essential to get started. And that's a lot of what I do with organizations, because if they were just to say, I'm going to do an API program and we're going to get everything together and our end goal is to have, you know, an internal portal or something for our organization that describes every aspect of the API program that we need to do. And we're going to rework 
the way we structure our organization, the way we structure our build and deployment processes, the way we structure our engineering disciplines, everything. I mean, you'll, you'll never deliver it. So what I do is take these eight points, these eight disciplines and put them on the compass and talk about uh, an API strategy compass. And the North Star is your strategy and your culture. Where are you headed? What are you trying to do? Why are you delivering the API program? And then all of the other compass points are adding to it. And each one of those points have essentials and they have transformative elements to them. And so what we want to do is we want to start to work at each of those areas and find the essential elements that are appropriate for your organization. And one organization may need to prioritize one aspect of it and go deep on one particular discipline because it's absolutely essential. They've made promises to their marketplace, promises to their customers, and so they have to uphold some particular bar that they've set. And so they have to go deep on those areas. And others, they can kind of set aside for a time and allow those to come a bit later. And they can continue to improve and work on that. So the API program itself can, can really be driven by that And so it's a matter of understanding what makes the most sense. What are those elements in each of those eight disciplines that are essential for your organization? And then let's get those in place and then let's add more. And along the way, let's figure out how we perform change management. How do we adjust the culture? How do we adjust our work structure to meet that? And it may be that we have to establish an API program and deliver some APIs and show value and demonstrate success for a while before we get complete buy-in to reorganize today's organizations to make them look like what they need to be for our target state. So that oftentimes requires a lot of cooperative effort. And it requires that from the executive teams and buy-in from the executive teams. It requires understanding and proper change management with the developers so that we're not changing things for them every week. Oh, well, last week we used this, and this week we used this, and next week we're going to have to use something else because we figured out it's not working. So starting small, getting those essentials in place, iterating over it until it starts to make sense for the organization and doing retrospectives, no different than when we deliver products and saying what's working and what's not. What can we use and how can we approach this? That's really valuable to take that approach. The De Bono thinking hats, the, the different colored hats that you can wear and think about things creatively, think about things objectively. Those types of things are great to be able to put on and look at your program and say, is this working? Is it not? Let's think creatively about how we could overcome this challenge that developers are getting stuck at. Is it, you know, video training, some written resources? Is it rethinking what we're recommending? What does it look like? So those kinds of approaches are really, really valuable. That's how we look at it from a launch any perspective is using that compass and saying, okay, we know that all eight of these disciplines driven by your strategy and culture are important let's assess what's most important right now. So let's take an assessment of where you're at, find out what's working, what's not, figure out what kind of tweaks we can add into it. Let's iterate on it and then see how it comes out. That's the only way that you can approach something like this. Otherwise, it's as you said, it's overwhelming and the amount of organizational change required to get there is so great that you'll really never even get the program off the ground. The ocean boiling is certainly the enemy of success on these things. I guess one last bit, you know, we say start small and, you know, there's kind of a few things you've touched on that are great to get things started. But I know for me, like having some plan of how you're going to govern the consistency of this from the start is important. What do you think kind of the just basic building blocks to get started are and kind of maybe some of the things to 
later expand into on how to sort of build out governance for this? One of the biggest challenges organizations face is that every API looks different. Somebody wrote one API in Java and they use the Java JSON lower camel case style for their field names. And then someone else did uh, Python or Ruby and they used underscores in their you know, property names of the resources and so on. And so establishing a style guide, even a very basic one, will oftentimes go a long way to consistency. You're not going to be able to go back and retroactively change those previous APIs without breaking all of the integrations that exist. But moving forward, creating some consistency with an API style guide is great. And, you know, there's some great API style guides publicly released. And I think our friend Arnaud has has released like a, a website that has a number of them and you can kind of browse and look at. Maybe we can provide a link in the show notes for that because I don't have that off the top of my head unless one of you guys do. But establishing a, a consistent style guide and then using linters or other tools to automatically check, making sure things are consistent will go a long way. Establishing consistency with authorization and authentication and how you're going to approach security and where the tokens go and those kinds of things are some nice disciplines to establish some governance. It can be very light touch, lightweight. You can automate a lot of it. You can maybe encourage having a design review of an API like we might have code reviews. Positive, not negative, not to tear people down, not to tell people how terrible they are or how much they don't know about HTTP, but positive reviews of the APIs to say, hey, let's look at this and see if there's ways we can improve this before it goes out the door. Those kinds of things are really, really effective no matter what scale you're operating at. And then over time, if you're a large organization, you may need to share that out a bit. Train up API coaches that can reside in each of the domain areas or each of the business units that understand the context of that particular domain area and also understand some of the style guide aspects and kind of the direction that things are going in the organization that can do design reviews locally. So you don't have one big ivory tower of API architects that know all and see all. You have coaches that are spread around that can work with teams and maybe facilitate discussions and design sessions and things like that. That's when you're really starting to mature your governance program because you're starting to really replicate what is previously centralized and probably with a small group of people that are defining it you're starting to move it outward and you're starting to decentralize the governance, you're decentralizing the coaching and the knowledge and you're sharing it out with others. Those are kind of the, some of the essentials that I look at along with a number of others that around testing and other aspects, but from a design perspective and kind of more of the traditional center of excellence or center for enablement kind of governance model, something light, something federated, something simple, start to gain consistency, start to get buy-in, start to establish a routine that people are all comfortable with and see value in, and then expand it from there so that you're pushing it out toward the edge of the organization if you're if you're a much larger org. All right, James. Well, I feel like uh, my head is fuller than it's ever been on this topic. You are an incredible compendium of knowledge. And uh, I gosh, I feel like we could, as I said before, do five more of these and, and still go deeper with you. So I really appreciate you sharing so openly on everything. And yeah, I know we've mentioned a lot of things along the way in kind of show notes stuff. We'll make sure and kind of get links and some of the visualizations you referenced. We'll maybe reach out and see if we can get that. And with that, I think that's a wrap. If you guys, uh, unless you have any other closing thoughts here. No, I'm all good. Thanks. Thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate it. And uh, if I've made your head spin, then I guess my job is done. Yeah, exactly. That's what we're here for. 
All right, James, well, we appreciate it. And uh, Adam, thanks uh, again for co-hosting today and helping us think about that kind of DX side of the world. Yeah, of course. All right, guys, thank you. Thanks for listening. If you have a question you want to ask, look in the description of whichever platform you're viewing or listening on, and there should be a link there so you can go submit a question and we'll do our best to find out the right answer for you.